0: This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Dinner Podcast. Diner. Diner. Eat it.
1: Live long. I'm prosper.
0: Bad
2: feeling about this. Turn, to turn away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Defy interest. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Oh.
3: You listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, from the end of the
0: universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction, movies, and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 53, and we have an awesome show for you, don't we, Miles? That we do. And we have a very good guest here. My name's Scott Herzog. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we're your hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We have a guest host with us tonight.
1: My name's Tom Dunlap.
0: Uh, wh- wh- I want the flare, the flair of the other one.
1: Tom Dunlap.
0: Oh, much better, much better! Thank you so much for joining us. We had you on—I don't know—we kind of did this about a half a year ago. Half
1: a year ago, yeah. So maybe a little you, longer. If
0: you go back into the archives, you can hear Tom's comments on
3: <laughs> sci-fi. I forget what we were commenting on that night, but I seem to recall we did our top five favorite sci-fi movies, and
1: yeah, that uh, that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was there were some did. Transformers in there. Yeah, I
0: believe that was all you watched. Trans—that's the only sci-fi you watched.
1: Pretty much, that, that <laughs> and
0: Fifth Element. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> if you want to call in and leave your, uh, leave us feedback either on the things that we're saying or are about the shows you're watching or maybe you have questions about the shows and you want to just just to get our opinion on them, we would love to do that and share with you. You can call us at one 508 4343 If you are out of the country, you can send us an MP3 file at the Sci-Fi Niner podcast at gmail.com. On the menu tonight,
3: Miles, we have a very special interview. That we do. When we were at uh, Farpoint uh, a couple weeks ago, we uh, spoke with uh, Keith R. Uh, DeCandido, and I hope I am pronouncing uh, his last name right. I don't know, but I'm probably butchering the spelling in my show notes, so pay no attention um, to the show notes. But uh, I know in the interview, he did correct me on my pronunciation, so I hope I am pronouncing it right, but he is a... Um, a writer for uh, the Star Trek uh, novels. Very, very fascinating. Very eccentric. I love it. It's great. Yeah, great. He's a, he has a little eccentric side. But uh, also on the menu tonight, we
0: have Star Wars trivia. There's a carryover from last week. We have no one. No one has risen to the challenge miles. Come on, guys. We need to get to Star Wars. Maybe I have to promote the Star Wars trivia. A bit Where more, is your geek cred? Folks? I know. Uh, v gets revealing. July 13th in Warehouse 13. Ooh, two It's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. Optimus, Prime and Bumblebee get makeovers. Terminator Salvation, the Machinima series, DVD. Miles is going to talk about that. Miles is running for governor of Florida, if you didn't know. Zombies of Rights 2. And a man with too much time in his hand builds ministeria. That's on our show. We should be able to cover that as quickly as we can. But I believe that interview we had with Keith ran a little bit long, if I recall correctly. But, hey. It, it was a nice conversation. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. No no, no bones about it. Well, just a little bit of show news before we actually give you the trivia again, and uh, we have we have we have some shout outs
3: that we do. And uh, I um, on the TrekCast uh, forums, when I had posted uh, our interview with Jared Formby, who uh, also co-hosts uh, TrekCast and does his uh, bl- his blog, uh, Hey Star Trek, um, Hey Star Trek. Uh, some of his couple uh, the the people on the uh, TrekCast forums responded, so just want to give out a shout out to. SMXP and to Kalis. thank you for uh, your kind words about uh, the Sci Fi Diner podcast and for listening.
0: Cool. And mm-hmm. we are going to shore leave. That we are. We are. We're going to shore leave and we are excited about it. They have an excellent lineup, guys. If you are anywhere on the East Coast, especially like the Mid-Atlantic, is that what they call it? Are we in yeah, the, Mid-Atlantic? We're, we're mid-Atlantic, the yep. Mid-Atlantic area? You've got to get to shore Leave. The awesome guest lineup. Edward James almost is there from Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Katie Sackhoff, also from BSG and 24 and the Bionic Woman and anything else she's done. Uh, Tori Higginson from Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis. She was Dr. Weir. You never watched Atlantis. I, no, I didn't dude. watch Atlantis. You watched it with us, yeah. so you'll recognize her, right?
1: I actually enjoyed Atlantis quite a bit. <coughs> Did you watch Battlestar, Tom? No.
0: No so. Battlestar for you. Kevin Sorbo there? Hercules. Come on. Come on. You are Hercules. No, so <laughs> you are Xena.
1: Zena. <laughs> Xena Definitely Xena. where it's at.
0: Uh, Catherine Hicks, who just happens to be one of the actors that I'm not as familiar with, but she did some Star Trek, right? She was in, uh, Star Trek For The Voyage Home. Yeah, so very good. And also in Heaven and so on. Dominic Keating from Star Trek Enterprise, and also Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Heroes as yeah. Will. Uh, um, I forget who Will was. He was the long-haired guy that, Fire, Fire Guy. Was he the Fire Guy?
3: Who was Will? For which, uh, show? Heroes. Yeah, he he was one of these Ted. Uh, I was thinking of Ted. Uh, when yeah. when what's his name? Um, when Peter Petrolli was in Ireland. Um, uh, oh, Do- that's right. Dominic Keen right. played one of the uh, the Irish guys.
0: Oh, and Bill Dow from Stargate su One, Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. Uh, all of those, in Kyle XY. So a great lineup, especially if you're a Stargate or Star Trek
3: fan. Something for just about everybody who who, who loves sci-fi. Yeah, yep. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely.
0: Miles, let's go into our trivia. It is a repeat trivia question from the last week because we're going to give them two weeks, folks. You are missing out on an awesome prize, and you know Miles and I would be happy to keep this prize, mind you, but uh, but we are giving this away. Uh and Miles what are we giving them tell us
3: Well we had the privilege to speak with uh, and interview Sam Witwer from who plays a Star Killer from Star Wars The Force Unleashed uh we are asking you uh Star Wars fans uh, who was in charge of bringing down the deflector shield of the second death star Yeah and the prize is a autograph picture of, uh, Sam Whitworth.
0: Yeah, as Killer, Yes, it's as a star me- Killer,
3: It's a beautiful picture. Folks. It, it
0: is a great picture. And no one has kind of picked up the, uh, we, we gotta, I'm gonna have to post in Twitter a bit more and, uh, poke around and say, come on guys, prove yourself, prove yourself. Prove your geek uh, cred. Yeah, so anyways, check it out. It is an excellent, it, it is excellent.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I
0: don't know what it's like. And if you want to hear the interview with, uh, Starkiller, Sam Whitworth, we did this in, Tune back to episode uh, 52, mm-hmm. and uh, you can hear the interview there. Excellent interview again. that mm-hmm. was good to listen to again and hear, hear what he said. Uh, in fact, I'm going to put the bumper of the show is going to be him as Palpatine, I think. Excellent. Yes, it, <laughs> it was great. The Sci-Fi Dino Podcast. <laughs> you can call in with your answers to that tree at one 508 4343 Also, you can email them in as an audio file or just as a text file. doesn't matter. Uh, to... Uh, I was going to say Stargate Atlantis. The sci podcast at gmail.com. You can send it to Stargate Atlantis. It won't get here though. But they, and, uh, that's kind of where we're at with, uh, trivia. So, I, come
3: on folks, uh, let's, uh, let's see what on. you got. Prove yourselves.
0: Prove, prove you're the geek you say you are. Yes. Okay, uh, we're going to head, before we head into our news, we're going to hear a promo from our friends at DVD Geeks. Uh, we got to have Televix on again. That's just it. Well, she was on episode 50. I guess it wasn't that long ago. It seems like a long time
3: ago. Though. It is, but uh, it's always a good show with,
0: uh, with Mary on. So yeah, you we'll have her back. And it's a good show with Tom on.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But Tom, <laughs> I'm going to just tell you right now, you're no Mary. Uh, she's a lot prettier. Yep, absolutely. Mm.
1: No goatee?
0: <laughs> no, Mary does not have a goatee. Thankfully. <laughs> Very <laughs> thankful. Thanks. All right. Anyways, uh, here's the DVD Geeks, DVD Geeks promo. And uh, if you get a chance, check out the show.
3: It's the DVD Geeks, real fans with real opinions. Every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central on
2: FearlessRadio.com. FearlessRadio.com. Remember, scene selection is not a special feature. The DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com.
3: For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv.
0: All right, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. We have some really interesting news for you tonight. And we're as if you're not familiar with the show, just to give you a little oversight of what we're headed, we do TV news, we do movie news, DVD news, and we've added a category called miscellaneous news. It kind of plays into the whole Sci-Fi geek universe, sort of. Uh, and we actually have a lot of news in there. We have a few news stories in each of them, and we're going to try and get through these the original intent was 5, 5, and 5, and I guess we now have another 5. So we're going to see if we can move through them as fast as we can. But, we will try. Oh, it wasn't that. It was like 10 minutes each. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the 5, 5, and 5. Whatever. Not a big deal. Nope. Miles does have a 5, 5, and 5, and we'll hear about that later on. Anyways, TV news. Miles,
3: take it away. Okay. In TV news, uh, V fans, uh, uh, V will become back uh, March 30th. But uh, what we can look forward to, uh, V will reveal more of the spaceship uh, also, um, lizard skin and Anna's true face. You will see a lot more of the visitors' mothership and a lot more of their true alien selves when ABC's V finally returns on March 30th. Andrew Orloff, Executive Creative Director of Visual Effects, Supervisor for uh, Zoic Studios, the visual effects team behind V's spaceship and aliens revealed the studio's work on the upcoming episodes. Uh, so spoilers are ahead. It's just more, Orloff said in an exclusive interview Sunday in Century City, California at the visual effects society awards where where Zoek was nominated for its work. If you're a fan of the show, you see the engine room of the ship in the last episode. We'll keep continuing to open up and explore different rooms and parts of the ship that'll be I think interesting for the viewers. It'll drive the story forward and for us since the entire interior of the ship is virtual, that means more visual effects works for us for sure.
0: And that's good for him. Well, oh, oh
3: yeah, now, uh, Tom. Did, have you
0: did you watch any of the V series, either old or new? No. You know you, you're familiar with it though. A little bit, yeah. 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 So uh, the new, if you haven't, if you get a chance, do check out the new. It's actually it's pretty interesting show, and Miles and I have been enjoying it. And mm. We're we're going to be glad to see it back the thirtieth, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's well worth it, and and I'm excited to see more of the ship. I mean, if you see the exterior, we get a pretty good look at the exterior, but there's a lot of the interior that we haven't
3: seen. Right, there's a lot more they can show us, and uh, they tease us a little bit with what the uh, visitors look like underneath the skin on the first pilot. Oh, It Sounds like they're going to give us a full frontal face of Marina Bakrinen as a visitor, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so that's that should be good.
0: Uh, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, okay. I can't wait for that show to return. Same week as Fringe. Fringe returns uh, also the first. Okay, only a couple more weeks. Yeah, so you know that's going to be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. They it will in other news uh, TV news we have warehouse 13 coming back on July 13th we've been waiting a long time for this. this is another one of these shows that has been doing a 13 episode arc and it's about time that we are going to have these guys back I can't wait. it'll be a good midsummer show right after it right after
3: shortly right and and when the other, other of our shows have taken a hiatus
0: Yep, and it'll be great to have that back. Eureka typically comes back in around the same time and it will be good. And uh, everyone's back, and even a special guest star, Nolan Funk, who starred at Nickelodeon Spectacular and Drake and Josh. And uh, he'll appear in a four episode arc and 13 episodes. So 13 episodes, just like Dollhouse. Cool. So, which means they'll be wrapping up probably around the end of September, beginning of October, yeah. or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But And you did you watch Warehouse 13? Only a couple episodes. A
0: couple episodes. So. Um, oh, this news is going to excite Tom, though. Oh, yeah movie
3: news, we have some Transformer news. Miles, go ahead. Take it away. Well, in Transformer 3, Optimus Prime and Bumblebee are going to get uh, makeovers. Uh, so, Ooh la la! Yes, um, as a third Transformer movie uh, gears up in pre-production this month, we've learned that Optimus Prime and Bumblebee will get a makeover. The Industrial Light and Magic team is hard at work updating the robots in disguise for their th- third big screen adventure. Our two lead characters, Optimus and Bumblebee, needed to be Updated for the next chapter in the Transformer series, said animation supervisor Scott Fenza in exclusive interview Sunday at the Visual Effects Society Awards in Century City, California, where he and special visual effects supervisor Scott Farrar were nominees. Bumblebee's matured a little bit, so I would just say look for subtle changes to his physique that have him look more mature. Subtlety might not be what you expect from Michael Bay movie, but Farrar suggests that the change to Prime would be the easy Easter egg variety, and only true fans would notice. Prime will have little tiny things that maybe the average viewer isn't going to notice, but probably the fanboys will for our set. You actually will run into pieces that are maybe always in the way, and would be nice for the part wasn't there. Maybe you make a shift in the shoulder, in the chest, or what, or what have you. So it might be uh, proportioning, but it also might be for usability. So the animator's task would be easier too. Ben's to add, the, the Prime's updates would be uh, badass. We always want the robots to look cooler than they the last time, so he's going to look a lot more heroic. I would say, Benson said. Now,
0: were you a fan of the animated series? I was. So this is stuff that's going to hit you that you're going to say, "Ooh, look what they did! Ooh, look at that!"
3: Right, and I, I, I think part of it. I mean, yeah, it is to update, maybe look a little different for the movie, but also I think it's just to sell more toys. To be honest with you, um, if you buy the updated uh, Optimus okay. Prime, or oh, update, absolutely you, uh, you, you can't. Uh, I mean, Optimus Prime from movie one and two is no longer good enough. Right. So you have to get. Uh, the new Mathos Prime from for movie three. I know, I know.
0: Well, my, mine,
1: mine doesn't have a shifter on the shoulder now.
0: I know. What are you going to do about it? You have to go buy one.
1: I'm going to go buy a new one right now.
0: Right now. See you, top. Bye.
1: All right, later.
0: <laughs> I put a door effect in there or something. But Anyways, we are uh, are we looking forward to the uh, third Michael Bay movie here? Oh, very much so. Uh, so uh, we may, we've had this conversation in other forms, but for movie one and two, which one did you like better? For me, it was definitely the first one. For you?
1: Oh, that's a challenge. Um, both? I really like both of them. Um, that was actually something they asked me right after I saw the second one. They told him couldn't answer. I still do feel the first one is slightly better than the second, but it's a very close match for the both of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think for me, the first one is probably my favorite, but it'll be it'll be interesting. Typically, uh, the middle movie is often the one that kind of lulls a little bit, and the third, you know, as they wrap up the trilogy, kind of uh, really stands on its own. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, either way, uh, we have some DVD news. Let's move into some DVD news here. And uh, Miles, this is really another one of the stories that you submitted, and but something that we are both fans of. In fact, I just got done. Rewatching Terminator Salvation. Oh, well, what did you think? I, I liked it again. Okay, it was good second time. And I'm a huge fan of Sam Worthington. He mm-hmm. was probably the character for me that stole the show. And it was good having watched Star Trek to go back and see, um, oh, the guy that played uh, the the Russian guy.
3: Oh, um, uh, you know who I'm talking yeah, about? And, I'm and,
0: losing tons of Greek cred yes, here. Yes, me too. <clears throat> His first name is Anton. That's all I know. Okay,
3: Chekhov. Play, yeah, the character was Chekhov. Yeah, Yeah. so
0: anyway, the guy played Chekhov is also in Terminator Salvation. It's Kyle Reese. Right. So totally cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, go ahead. Take this away.
3: Well, I didn't know this was around, and so I kind of discovered this by accident. But there was a Terminator uh, animated uh, – it's called Terminator Salvation, the, the, the Machinima series. Uh, you can get it on Amazon.com. I didn't see it on Netflix, but it's basically these little vignettes that happen um, two years before the movie begins and – so um this is the intro. My name is Blair Williams. That's the Moon Bloodgood uh, character. I fight for the resistance. The resourceful A-10 pilot from Terminator Salvation has her own story in this kick-bot prequel filmed via the innovative machinima process that turns video game elements into a full-blown animated story. Moon Bloodgood reprises her uh, uh, Terminator 4 role, providing the voice of Williams as she takes on an explosive mission to track what or who is uh, disrupting blinks during the resistance's fierce scroll war against Skynet? T600s emerge, guns blazing, Moto Terminators patrol post apocalyptic LA. Aerostats hover, hunter killers rain death, machinima delivers action and style in a big way. Reboot the future. With the Terminator Salvation, the Machine of series. So uh,
0: it's uh, very nice. Sounds very good. Now, excuse me,
3: uh, Blair Williams is the lady that had cancer in the very beginning. Is this right? I think you're thinking of Helena Bonham Carter. She was the uh, uh, doctor suffering from cancer who got Sam oh, yeah, character yeah, to yeah, sign yeah, the release. Yeah. Yes. Now, um, are you going to get this? I'm going to try, yeah, either to rent it. I want to see it. It looks good. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you buy it, it's only six
0: bucks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very inexpensive and right amazon so it's almost worth purchasing it for that price you just want to borrow it from you want to get it. exactly it's true i'm to <laughs> borrow it i'm gonna burn it and steal it and upload it to bit i'm just kidding I'm i see Lime well, wire here i come uh be- do you hear that clap uh before we get on uh before we <laughs> move out of our news we have some miscellaneous news that we have to uh talk about this is yours tom um
1: uh, yeah i saw this and i it really intrigued me you know um, self descript vampire to run for uh, governor of Florida looks a lot like you, Miles. Um,
3: if I had uh, not cut my hair um, um, thirteen years ago, it this, could is, what, be, it this could, is what I might look like. It could be a wig.
0: It could be. We're going to put a. We're going to throw a photo up in the show notes, and it does look a little bit like Miles, uh, a vampire running for Florida. Uh, this story. Uh, wasn't there a politician who campaigned under the slogan Morning America? Well, it turns out there's at least one politician for whom morning's not such a good thing, because gubernatorial candidate Jonathan Sharkley is a vampire. Really. Sharkley is a self-described, prescribed is going to say, self-described vampire who previously announced plans to run for governor of Minnesota on the Vampires, Witches, and Pagans ticket, and has called off that campaign, even though Minnesota seems like a state suited to eclectic candidates. After all, it sent a formal president... Sent a former professional wrestler to the state house, didn't it? But Minnesota's loss will be Florida's game because Sharkley now has set his political sights on the Sunshine State, according to City Pages.
1: Yeah, Interesting. I feel Jesse Ventura was a little, you know.
0: I don't know. I don't know. You have Terminator running, you know, California. Oh, California, guys, you got a pro, pro wrestler run. running, you know. Who was governor of Minnesota. Right. I mean, and so. He
1: did a good job, you know, personally, I think. But yeah. He won't go political.
3: Right, right. Anyways.
1: <laughs> so. Whatever.
3: Wh- why should it be unusual? Vampire wants to run for governor. Right? I know. I know. Hmm.
0: Um, and uh, another piece of miscellaneous news here. A guy spends three years building ministers out of 420,000 <laughs> matches. And. Uh, what
1: well, was this guy like smoking crack or?
0: I don't know, the guy – hey, we think that he was probably laid off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, 420,000 matches. Now, uh, this is uh, – can you imagine the painstaking work that is?
1: Right. Strike anywhere, you know, accidentally brush it. The whoops. The <laughs> there goes your
0: <laughs> uh, Seriously. Well, it's it's an impressive sculpture, though, you got to admit. Yeah, well, we'll throw a picture up in the show notes for that. It is an impressive – if you have, like uh, – if you if you download the ACC feed for your iPod, you can actually see the picture. I'll embed it into the uh, show here. Uh, but this guy, uh, Acton, who's been supplying Ripley's, believe it or not, for with such models since 1994, almost three years to complete this particular model, which contained hundreds of city buildings, and is topped with the Citadel, the Tree of Gondor, and the White Tower of – Athelion hmm. so it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty impressive it really is and this guy obviously we're, we're kind of joking here but yeah. this guy this guy obviously does this on a semi-professional basis it sounds like he' so many stuff
1: of really fine detail yeah I mean, well
0: it is it's it's incredible detail when you
1: look at it so
0: very nice very nice nicely done mm-hmm. kudos to him miles you want to take away
3: this uh next yes. story? Yes. In other miscellaneous news, awesome alien sculpted from 1,200 pounds of motorcycled steel. And um, this is is impressive. Uh, uh, Three artists, uh, 4,000 pieces of steel, 1,200 pounds of parts recycled from a Yamaha motorcycle, Uh, one scary-as-hell eight-foot-tall alien queen. And uh, their asking price is $6,000.
0: Yeah, and uh, this is is great. These guys are from RoboSteel.com. You can check it out. We'll again put a picture in the show notes, but it's pretty awesome what they did for motorcycle Mm Pod.
3: so we get we get some artistic news in there
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and tom why don't you take away this next story
1: zombies have first amendment rights to say oh zombies have first amendment rights too," says u.s court yeah
0: i I, I. I know uh who knew that zombies were being persecuted but thanks to an appeals court in minneapolis no more (laughs) no more Free the zombie? Free the vampire? I don't know. Sure, I, no. The story is actually kind of uh, mildly amusing. A group of zombies, okay, not actual zombies, but rather several costume protesters have been given an okay to proceed with their lawsuit against the police who arrested them for disorderly conduct. Uh, At the time of their arrest, 2006, the plaintiffs lurched disleggedly through a mall, urging shoppers to get your brains here and brain clean up in aisle five while wearing white face powder, fake blood and black circles under their eyes. They were also carrying audio equipment, including loudspeakers and wireless phone handsets, which P with police had decided to describe as simulated weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story
0: <laughs> It is It's uh, that, the last line that really makes it Audio equipment, weapons mm-hmm. of mass destruction
3: Well, it, it could be Yeah,
0: It, it, it definitely could be mm-hmm. Well, we got to move into our interview But before we do We want to hear from our friends at Trek, TrekCast We've had Jared Formby on And mm-hmm. you guys uh, I know, Miles, you're an avid listener of the show I And am. I check in every so often I know that you post in there forums, so there's a shout out to you guys there at TrekCast, and uh here's the promo. You know, see, it's like, <laughs> hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built on mid-21st
1: century civilian clothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next you
3: think. time you see a guy who looks like Wolverine,
2: poke me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Highball and cocktail. Oh. Highball like cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. You're listening to TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast,
0: www.trekcast.com. Listen to TrekCast. It'll save your virtual life. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We have an excellent interview for you. Tom, and of, of course, you are not at the bar. So we got to get you to a concert. <laughs> That's just
3: it. It would be an experience, Tom. It would be an experience, experience yeah.
0: <laughs> we can dress you up as a Jawa. Wow. (laughs) Better than a leprechaun. It's true. Although they're magically delicious. Oh, thanks. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, Miles. Yeah, so we gotta anyways. Introduce- <laughs> we got to introduce our interview here. We've an excellent interview. Yes,
3: when we were at the Farpoint Convention, we uh, spoke with uh, Keith uh, DeCandido, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, he is, of course, a Star Trek uh, novel author. He's written several of them, uh, particular uh, novels dealing with Klingons. He's also written many comic books. Uh, right now the, the Farscape series I believe also for Buffy and uh, also he has written some you know um, movies that went straight to novel um, I'm thinking of he all he wrote the um uh, serenity uh, novel. For, he did. He uh, yes. did. And
0: he also did, if I'm, cor- I believe I'm correct in this, he did uh, the tie-in, like a video game tie-in to like World of Warcraft That's true. Starcraft. So you know, you're going to hear him talk about all that. We're going to talk about the, that in the interview. Mm-hmm. And so let's not hold it up. Let's give him the interview. Let's hear from Keith. All right, Scott here. I just want to interject before we play this interview with Keith Canado uh, is that we did record this so this is one of the only interviews one of the two interviews I guess that we recorded from the floor of the far point con because of that you do hear a lot of con noise a lot of people talking in the background uh, every once in a while you can you can hear when the when the air rushes past the microphone so it's not the clearest interview but we're bringing it to you because we just had a wonderful time talking to him and he had a lot of good things to say about the the, the Star Trek universe, the books that he works on, not just the Star Trek but otherwise. And so we're bringing this to you uh with a realistic live sound recording of from the floor of Farpoint. And so we hope you enjoy. And if not, join us next week for I guess a clearer interview if you want something that is, you know, background sound free. But we had a lot of fun doing this and I just think it's great that we get kind of the authentic con feel here, which you don't necessarily get when you're in a private room with someone recording their interview all right thanks a lot enjoy the interview
3: ladies and gentlemen we are speaking with uh keith Decandido at the uh Farpoint convention uh writer of uh the star of many star trek novels and many uh, comic books out there that uh you've been reading
2: Keith, thank you for joining us on the Safeguarder Podcast. Today. Thank you for having me. I've heard I've heard lots of good things about you from Dayton Lord, so uh, oh, great. Obviously, the checks have cleared Damn, yeah, yeah, so right. that's, okay. that's good. And it, John Drew, yes, listening. yes, so up fellow, fellow podcaster. Yes, yes. And you, you're part of the Chronic Rift, regarding that, right? Yeah, yeah. I do, I do, uh, the I do television movies. reviews for the, for the Chronic Rift, yeah. and I do interviews. I've I posted a few times, and I, I um, but yeah, I contribute right now. To that that the, the the original Chronic Rift was a public access TV show that John and me and Andrea and our Paul and some other people did in the early 1990s. So, so yeah, video, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were a lot younger then. We all were. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I look at the videos and the pictures now, and I'm like, "Dear God, were we really that young?" And that's silly looking, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, not much has changed. No, well, it's enough. As, yeah. you know, the, some 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 of us have more hair, some of us have less hair. You know, yeah, right, right. Right. yeah um, you know, we're we're all older and wiser, and well, older anyway. Yeah, and uh, it's fun. You know, it's it's still the same. Yeah, we're we're all all of us involved in both in, well, the podcast and the public access show. We're fans first, you know. Some of us have done some work professionally and some of us haven't. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but it's all, you know, we're all still just enjoying ourselves just talking about stuff we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. What, what's genre television or genre, I guess genre in- I blame my parents. I, <laughs> when, <laughs> oh, I, when I was, when I was far too young to know any better, uh, they exposed me to, uh, lots of science fiction fans, specifically, um, P. G. Woodhouse, J. R. R. Tolkien, and Robert A. Heinlein. This is why I like science fiction, fantasy, and silly British humor, and also my pretentious insistence on using middle initials all this time. Um, the time. Uh, the they, they, they gave me, you know, *The Hobbit* and and the *Earthsea* trilogy and, uh, um, and *Elders I read all those uh, as a wee tot. As well as DJ Woodhouse's Jeeves books and short stories and such. And I just, that it was downhill from there. I, mean, like, I can understand blame your parents for yeah. uh, that. I mean, I blame my dad for my love of Star Trek. I mean, yeah, my parents actually were also Star Trek fans. In fact, when I, I grew up watching Star Trek um, every night, I grew up in New York City in the 70s. And uh, Channel 11 in New York used to show Star Trek every weeknight at six o'clock. That was, that was what we did at six o'clock every week. was we watched, you know, me and my parents who watched Star Trek. That's what I grew up doing. I, I still remember the salt vampire uh, from The Man Trap and the big green fat guy from Le- And the Children Shall Lead uh, giving me nightmares as a kid. I got over the salt vampire one, but I still have nightmares about the big fat green guy from <laughs> the Children Shall Lead. I, I appreciate yeah. To this day, of everything I've written, there has not been one single big green fat guy in any of my pictures. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that, I was that, one be, of the things I really be... need to work through that, but right, that right, might be yeah. therapeutic if you could. Right, I, right, right, right. I still haven't watched that episode yet. Well, what's interesting about that is that's a lost art
0: of sitting down at 6 o'clock for a TV show to sit there and watch it because now you have the DVDs, you watch whenever you want. Uh, if it's on at a certain
2: time. I have a DDR, I can watch it, I'm not relegated that to just family time and now they television yeah. I mean they're, they're, it's still handy in other ways to not to have the other options too right. you know I mean it means you don't miss stuff right yeah um, plus you know there's so many there's so many different options and sometimes things are at the same time right um, I mean like like just just as an example with me right now on, on Wednesday night I've got both leverage and PsyCon at the same time and that's not acceptable so luckily I have a DVR yes. so that matter Cable reruns everything, so it's less perfect. But still, you know, this way I don't have to, you know, choose one over the other. So, yeah, I'm i uh, uh, I'm a aficionado of the Star Trek student universe and the, right. the novels. And we don't uh, really call it that, but uh, whatever. I don't but, know. Like so I don't know what else to call it. I mean, uh, call them Star Trek novels. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like the extended universe is a Star Wars thing. Right. That, you know. uh, <laughs> you know, I should steal from Star Wars. Not, oh, it's not a problem. I just that's 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 an official term in the Star Wars fiction. We're we're not that far. You need to, be able to use it. Not usually. I mean, a couple people have online, but it's not really. I mean, it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. by any means. But uh, it's just not that's. I'm just I'm just being persnickety. So. <laughs> no, uh, awesome. But anyway, you're a fan of it. Thank you. Yes, since I've true. written one or two of those. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> 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 a few. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. um, now, as as a fan of Star
3: Trek, sometimes watching the show, I get frustrated because they will have a great episode, but they won't follow up on it. By the same time, as a, as a someone appreciates the novels you as an author get a chance to maybe pick up on those loose ends or...
2: Well, that's part of the fun, yeah. The, uh, the one of the great things about writing in fiction is being able to explore the back roads and side alleys and stuff. You know, there's, part of it is also just that, you know, you're doing a weekly TV show and there's particular needs you've got for that, and you can't always, and you've only got 44 minutes to tell your story, so there's often a limit as to how much depth you can go into And Sometimes, you know, things go off in other directions and they just don't get the opportunity to explore it. Um... And sometimes it's just throwaway lines that give you ideas. What my, what I still think is my strongest novel is. Um novel part of a series we did called The Lost Era mm-hmm. which were a bunch of novels that took place between the end of the original series like after Kirk fell down the rabbit hole in the Generations <laughs> Prelude and before Next Generation debuted in Farpoint it's about 70 years of time and that's rife for, for storytelling possibilities I based that my entire contribution to that series is called The Art of the Impossible and it was based on a 30 second conversation between Garrick and Bashir in the Way of the Warrior episode of DS9 um where, where he mentions the Betraca Nebula incident about which we know three things: it happened between the Klingons and the Cardassians, uh, it was ages ago according to Garrick, which could be anything, and peculiarly for an incident, it lasted eighteen years. So I just took that little conversation and built this hundred thousand word novel out of it, you know. And that that's that's a case where it's just something that was being used for effect in that particular episode, but it gave me you know something to work with to create this big epic. Political novel out of that could never really be done on screen, partly because of when it took place. Sure, because most of the you know the 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 twenty fourth century actors were all too old to play those roles now, and you know it's even too old for the twenty third century actors for the most part. So you know, the, uh, so it, it's uh, and you get to deal with uh, Colonel Worf. So, uh, yeah. His his life and yeah, who was supposed to be Worf's grandfather? They never actually explicitly said that on screen, but you know, it's played by Michael Doran and what the hell? And he had the same name, so he's probably a relative, probably. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so yeah, I got to flesh him out a little bit, and also uh, actually get to see Worf's father and Worf's uh, family. Um, And uh, so that was that was a lot of fun to write. and I, I think it's, I still think it's my strongest book. Ever. But just in general, from, from what you were asking, you know, yeah, sometimes they just don't follow up on things. Or also because writing there's such turnover on writing staffs on any TV show, you know, what one writer is interested in pursuing, the next set of writers will be less interested in doing, or they'll go in another direction, or they just, or the character will get written out, you know. But the advantage the of the tie-in fiction is you can you can deal with that stuff and, and fill in those. When in a lot of ways you were maybe not to belabor this but you were mentioning how
0: Star Trek has extended universe high in fiction really works well for Star Trek because a lot of the novels are based off of events that occurred or that are mentioned in there
2: where when you deal with the expanded universe these are novels that take the story and just take it way beyond that it's so Star knowledge. Trek also has such a huge history at this point behind um, it um, you know there's 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 three you know there's three different time periods really being dealt with uh, over the course of, of um, all the different uh, the five TV shows and the ten movies of um, course now you've got another timeline floating into it just in complicate matters but but even just in the mainline Star Trek timeline um, there are there's a lot of history there to play with um, and uh, you know sometimes you can try and work in as much of it as possible so I mean uh, the, the Destiny trilogy the Dave macro I did the first follow-up to. That was that was something that was specifically designed to incorporate as much of the 24th century as well as the Enterprise era into one massive storyline. You know, and you can do that because Star Trek has enough history at this point that it can't. You know, just, just the one that's been established on the screen is going to plus, you know, the long history of, of, of tie-ins and, and comic books and novels and such. That's the other thing, is as the longer a tie-in series goes on, the more it can do in a lot of ways. Um, when at this point, you know pretty much anything goes in the Star Trek fiction. Um, that's also true of the Star Wars fiction. Other tie-ins are more restrictive when they're first, excuse me, when they're first starting out because they haven't had a chance to really like seed the ground for their success. You know, at this point, the readers of the Star Trek fiction know what you know. They're ready to go along for the ride. Um, you know, it's it's been there are Star Trek novels published just, you know since the, the show was on the air. There was uh, the first Star Trek novel was published when the when the show was still running. It was a kid's book called Mission to Horatius. And then in the and then in the seventies there were the James adaptations, and there were the Bantam novels all throughout the seventies. And then Parker took over in eighty one. So, you know, it's it's uh, with that 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 gives you more freedom. Just that something being that well established. A newer tie-in line is gonna have more restrictions initially. Uh, and then, as 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 the readers get comfortable, it you know. Go further. And I've noticed that since there's probably not going to be any more film version, TV version of it. I the Prime Universe coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, certainly not anytime soon. No, right now, right now, the April stuff is pretty much what's current on stream yeah. um, The the the, 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 in the books are have seen more well original original character can get killed off yeah. um people get promoted um, romantic
3: relationships between characters are yeah. happening now
2: um in your, in your next work are you going to be doing any kind of uh now you have a little more freedom to kind of tweak that kind of stuff but I don't you, have anything specifically planned right now most of my energy is being dedicated I'm not uh, is being dedicated to the first game comics that I'm writing and uh, some other stuff I'm doing that's not Star Trek related at the moment uh, probably that's just the way my career has gone at this point you know I've done quite a bit with that you know I did. I did one of the Post Nemesis, Next Gen novels, um, getting to introduce some new cast members, from doing what I view as sort of the ultimate Q story, um, and uh, and I, and I, I was in, I was involved with, with two uh, of the original series, the Corps of Engineers uh, and the On Empire uh, series, neither of which uh, has continued unfortunately. Uh, the, the Corps of Engineers are still coming out. The, the, that was an ebook original series. Uh, those of all come out. Uh the in ebook form they're still coming out print form. In fact the next two are coming out this summer. So uh, so but it's a lot of fun and, and particularly with the Corps of Engineers, we did seventy-six uh, ebooks all together. Um, uh, and it was great. It was it was uh, seventy four ebooks, right. And we had so much fun with that. We uh, we did we did a lot of really good things. Uh, we just developed the story. It was it was the, the e-books were a little shorter than a novel. They are about development. So like 15,000, 15, 20,000, 25,000 words, so a little longer. And that, you could do a more in-depth story than you do a short story, but you don't have quite the... You don't need the full novel. It was, it, was a, it was much more analogous to a TV series than a novel or a short story usually can be. So, you know, we were doing a new one every month, and, you know, we had character arcs that were going through. The stories themselves were generally standalone, plot wise, but we were moving the characters along throughout it and really getting to develop some of them. And, you know, working with a bunch of different writers, I was, I was the editor in charge of that series, and, and it was a lot of fun. And you can see that as, as you go through. Story, um, you know, and we were killing people off. We were carrying people off. We were we were transferring people off, you know. Uh, and, and and a lot of it a lot of it happened very organically, you know. Um, as 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 the series went along, and sometimes the characters just sort of took over. We had one character who's just one of the, one of the random security people who wound up becoming this major supporting character, uh, completely by accident. You know, it's just it just worked out that way. You know, people people you know writers started gravitating toward this character, so we developed it one throwaway bit in one story. The, the captain on, on the, the USS Da Vinci, which is the main ship of the Corps of Engineers, uh, has, this, has a huge family. We want to have somebody who has a really big, a large family back home. And one of his granddaughters was dating a Klingon politician. Well, that was just a throwaway reference in one particular story wasn't meant to be anything more than that. It was just sort of a little background thing that added a little color to it. We ran with it. <laughs> um, and eventually led to one story called Creative Couplings, in which we chronicled the first ever Klingon Jewish wedding. <laughs> um, and uh, it, was it was great. Fun. You know, we, had, we had so, uh, Glenn Hellman and Aaron Rosenberg wrote that, and they did a wonderful job. <laughs> um, the two ceremonies are actually frighteningly compatible. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Are you made of it that? No, no, it, it, it wasn't. It. it wasn't as hard as you might think. But uh, but yeah, you know, and that was just born of one person doing something. Somebody else saying, "Okay, well, let's build on that." And, you know, it was it was a really great experience, both as an editor and as a writer. You have a chance to write uh, novels for the new Star Trek timeline. No, and in fact, the novels that were written were postponed indefinitely. So I don't know if there's going to be any more. Opportunities there were uh, supposed to be four novels that came out in the summer of uh, two thousand ten, but they were they were uh, postponed. Uh, Even I don't. Yeah. Not correct I remember you saying. Oh it's definitely old. Yeah. Yeah, there were four of them that were written, they were paid for, so yeah. the writers all yeah. got paid, which is good. Um, because uh, <laughs> uh, that's important. But uh, no, I, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen there, so I you know if if they decide to do of the first thing they're going to do is publish the four that they've commissioned, presumably, uh, so I don't have any plans to do anything with that. So right you now, your efforts are in Farscape? Mostly, I'm yeah. Mostly in Farscape. Um, now you were a lover of Farscape? Oh, yes. I was a huge fan of that. I wrote... Uh, there were three tie-in novels that came out while the show was on the air. I wrote one of them. Uh, it was called House of Cards, And I uh, did a couple of short stories for the official Farscape magazine and also one for the role-playing game. They, they came with the... Aldrac, uh, did the role-playing game, and they commissioned a short story for me to, to lead off the RPG volume. And um, and then when this came around, uh, Boom Studios picked up the rights from the Jim Henson Company to do the Farscape Comics They had They brought Rocky O'Man and the creator of the show on board to, to plot them with the idea that these would be the official continuations in much the same way that uh, Dark Horse's Buffy Season 8 comics are continuations. This is the same thing. And uh, I was brought in to scripted Because, you know, Rock Lee had read House of Cards and loved it. And he and I had stayed in touch over the years, so he recommended me for it. And independently, I was like jumping up and down saying, hey, pick me! You know, so it it worked out nicely. Um, So I've been doing that. I wrote, I've been writing the monthly comic for over, uh, for like a year and a half now. Um, Well, the the comic's been coming out for a little over a year. They started in December of 2008. And um, I also wrote three Dargo-focused miniseries. The last of which is coming out right now as we as we record this. And uh that's gonna be followed by a new monthly uh, the first game series is ongoing, the the, the post Peacekeeper Wars story. And we're also debuting in April a new Scorpius comic book, which rockney is also plotting, but uh the, the aforementioned Dave Mack uh is gonna be writing the script for that. Very cool, very cool so he's, he's doing that while I'm doing the Parsley comment, and we're, we're it. one of the reasons why why Dave was, was a good fit for it is Dave and I have worked together many many times before uh, on, on you know I've hired him to write short stories uh, we collaborated on the Corps of Engineers story early on um and, and there've been a bunch of cases where he's written something. We've followed up on each other's stories uh, in the Corp. Engineer series, in the uh, Time Two series. Uh, I did—I wrote the first follow-up to the Destiny trilogy. And we have done this before. <laughs> um, so we're these, we're, and he's also one of—we're we're both he's one of my best—he's one of my best friends. And one of his best friends, and uh, I was at his wedding party. Yeah. Um. So, and we both live in New York. We we usually have lunch at least once a week. So we're in—you know—it's a good. It's a good uh, dynamic, uh, and it's yeah. Uh, so it's a good fit, and hopefully we'll be doing this for a while. Uh, the the Marcy comics are doing really well, and uh, they've been they've been some of Boom's best selling books for a while as well. In fact, one of the things, uh, one of the things uh, my, my editor pointed out in an interview one time, in a lot of ways, Farscape changed gold to uh, turn them into a big publisher. They had to stop using the small printer they were using because that printer couldn't accommodate the orders on Farscape, and they had to go to Quebecor, who's the main printer uh, for, for most of the larger companies. Um, and now, of course, they've got a bunch of things that are selling better than Farscape. But it's 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 been uh, it was a good. Uh, it's been a good thing for them and it's been a great, great for me to it's been great to finally get to do some comic work so uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with it I've also done I've been doing uh, some other licensed comics I did I did one of the Star Trek's IDW comics I've got another one coming out uh, in the summer of, of 2010 um uh and the I did one of the Alien Spotlight issues uh Surprise, I did the Klingons. Uh, okay. no. <laughs> kind of a no-brainer there, but... Uh, You've created the Klingons probably best. And in- Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I've, I've done a lot, certainly, and I really enjoy writing for the Klingons uh, for whatever reason. Um, I blame Michael and Sarah, actually. <laughs> I, I, when I was when, when I was watching mm-hmm. Star Trek as a kid, uh, <laughs> Day of the Dove made a big impression on me, particularly the character of Kang. I loved him. I was thinking, damn, he's cool. Screw Kirk. I want to see more about him. You know, he was cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you just a fan the, of the original Klingons? Or the, uh, I'm just a fan of Klingons. It doesn't matter. Uh, really, I don't, I don't think there's that much of a qualitative difference between the two, aside from the obvious cranial topography. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, you know, the the you watch Area of Mercy* and Korra was pretty much very much like the Klingons we saw later on. You know, yes, they got developed more, but it, it, I think it worked out. Uh, it, they're they're basically the same, um, although. Uh, I've got a story coming out in, in the spring of 2010, it should be out in March, uh, in the Seven Deadly Sins anthology, Aye. which is actually my first time doing 23rd-century Klingons. I had, never, I had never actually done original series-era Klingons with all the stuff I've done uh, until this story, which is, which is coming out short, shortly tell us about the seven deadly sins what's the premise of it the premise of the anthology it's going to be seven novella length stories so a little longer than a short story but there's there's seven in the one book which will each focus on one of the deadly sins as it relates to a species or a location in Star Trek so the Cardassians are Envy the Romulans are Pride uh, the Ferengi are Greed that was a no-brainer yeah um uh, <laughs> uh, the mirror universe is Lust uh, the Pakleds are sloth. Uh the Borg are gluttony, and then the Klingons are uh angry. That makes sense. Yeah. Everyone every one, yeah. Every one of them. yeah. Um the best title in the book is the Pakled Story, which is written by Greg Cox. It's called Work Is Hard. <laughs> uh uh it's great. Yeah. And um uh Greg's doing that, I'm doing the Klingons. James Swallow, who wrote uh the first character our book, uh, is doing the Cardassians. Uh, Dave Morton Kevin Dilmore are doing the Romulans. And um, I believe theirs is also a 21st century story. Um, uh, Britta Dennison is doing the Mirror Universe. And uh, David McEntee is doing the Ferengi. And this, this one I'm really looking forward to. Because it's a sequel. I did a Ferengi story in the World of New Space Nine series. Uh, and David is doing a sequel to it. To my Ferengi story. And the title of it is Reservoir Ferengi that's how he sold it to, to the editor initially when, when it was, when we were first putting it together just with those two words and he sold the story so uh, I'm looking forward to that especially because I had a lot of fun with that Frankie story so I'm looking forward and, and Dave, David has a particularly warm sense of humor David's done a lot of Doctor Who fiction okay. um, he, he did a short story in the Sky's the anthology the next generation 20th uh, anniversary anthology that came out in 07 and um, he, uh, it was a really good a story that focused on Data's cat's spot so uh, I can't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was and he's he's doing the Farrangi story, so that 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 should be so. Very cool. Um well uh, what other tie-in work have you we done? You've done others? A lot, yes. I've done um World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Supernatural. In fact I've got a, a new supernatural novel that's just coming out uh called Heart of the Dragon. Okay, great. Um, that's my third supernatural novel. I also did one called Nevermore in 07 and uh, Bone Key. In 08. Do you watch Supernatural? Oh, very much so. Yes, it's it's. Uh, I really enjoy the show a lot, um, and, and it's been it's been fun sort of following along. Especially what's especially nice is because I've been writing the novels, uh, I've been getting the scripts ahead of time, um, <laughs> so uh, which which is very handy because the the it wasn't so much an issue with the previous two, but with the. The first two books that came out, I wrote one of Jim Marriott and the second. They were basically standalone adventures, you know, Monster of the Week stuff with Sam and Dean. With the next two novels that are coming out, mine, one by uh, Joe Schreiber and one by Rebecca Destertine and David Reed, they want to tie it in a little more closely to what's been going on in the series. So they've been keeping us very much in the loop as to what's going on and wanting us to, to uh, be consistent with it. So, um, so I got to, to see the scripts uh, before... They were for the episode awesome. which was handy, you know, meant I could keep up. Um, and it's worked out uh, pretty well. It uh, And it's nice to get that, that inside view of it. Uh, and, and, and it's good to get that, you don't always get that level of cooperation within the studio. Uh, like, for example, I wrote uh, an Andromeda novel in 2003 based on the Kevin Sorbo series. And Tribune was like pretty much rubber stamping everything. They gave you videotapes of the episodes to, to catch up on that, that existed, but there wasn't much beyond that. You know, they were, they, were, they were very hands-off with it, which can be handy sometimes. I mean, you know. Uh, but it's, it's getting, like I said, getting that level of participation from the studio that we're getting the Supernatural is a lot more helpful, I think. And it, and it makes the book stronger. Yeah, see it see that that allows it to tie in a little more closely to what's going on on screen. So, um, I've done. Uh, I have a StarCraft manga that just came out, and I also did a StarCraft novel 106 uh, The Ghost Academy is the manga that recently released, and it's been getting really good reviews. So I'm very happy with it. You StarCraft, yeah. And yeah, uh, number two. Huh? Is number two out yet? No. Uh, yet. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't write that one. They're going with different writers for each volume. Right, but uh, I mean, I meant StarCraft Two. Oh, the game. game? No, that's not out yet. Um, it should be released this year. I think I mean, this year. Yeah, Blizzard yeah. takes some time. That's good. Yeah, yeah. In fact, my StarCraft novel was a prequel to the StarCraft Ghost game that never happened. <laughs> right. That's yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and I did a World of Warcraft novel. I've done uh, CSI New York. Um, uh, I mentioned Buffy. Um, I did a couple Buffy novels uh, a few years ago. Uh, first game uh, station for uh, Serenity the novel yes I've done a bunch of movie novelizations Serenity right. yeah, I all three saw your Resident your mug, Evil
0: films I saw your mug in that uh, what was that you the one they did it? oh uh,
2: the documentary that is my one and only IMDB critic <laughs> is done the impossible yes no they interviewed me at uh, Dragon Con in 05 and uh yeah, that was that was fun. No, they, they, I, I was actually I had done a previous interview with them in, at San Diego Comic Con earlier in the year, and then we did a new one at Dragon Con, which was after the movie came out. So uh, right no. actually the no, movie hadn't come out at that point, but it was closer, and that was a more because the, the Comic Con interview was like on the on the floor of the convention center sweat is plastered my hair to my I look like shit it was just <laughs> it, I was so glad they did a new one It was in a room <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was sitting in a chair it was quiet I calm and it was much much better interview but I was I was you know I was I was uh, in touch with those guys throughout the entire making of that film, and it was it was great. It was great commentary. Yeah, and yeah, I was. I, I I was glad I got to be a part of that.
0: Enjoyed, I enjoyed. Uh,
2: and writing the novelization was fun. Although well, that was that was one of those classic stories. Writing movie novelizations is just a ridiculous way to make a living because um, you've got no time to work um, and. That's another case where the level of cooperation you get from the studio varies wildly from project to project. And novelized with the horror film called Darkness Falls. They were great! They gave me all sorts of stuff. They were, they were keeping me in the Whenever They gave me a backstory. When they changed the ending, they invited my editor and me into their New York office to show us the new ending so I could get it right in the book. Um, this is a direct contrast to, for example, Resident Evil Apocalypse, where I found out that they changed the ending when I saw the movie in theaters. Because they did not bother to inform us uh, of this. So the medication. ending... The, yeah. Well, you know, it's, a, it's the level of interest in whether or not, you know, they have the time or the inclination. Some of them are, you know, spoiler-phobic in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, we can't tell you the new ending because it'll old. Give it away on the internet, baby. Um, it's crazy. Um, this, there's a lot of movie companies that where you won't see a novelization or they'll only let, they won't release the script, they'll only let the writer come into the office, so writers in Los Angeles are getting much better opportunities for tie fiction than writers in New York. Um, but, in fact, that was one of the things I, I went when uh, the game from Star Trek oh, I knew I wasn't even going to be considered Because the only people they were even talking to Were people who lived down on the west coast Or at okay. least closer to the west coast than me mm-hmm. um, So how does this fit into the strategy they, or? they were cooperating or Well what happened there was No I, I was kept uh, mostly up to date there were, there were a couple of things That I didn't find out about Until they did the screenings that they were doing for people uh, Before the release But they were minor No what happened there was It was originally supposed to be released in April uh, of 05 And my deadline was based on that. Uh, And I had to get the book in some hell or high water the Monday before Thanksgiving of 04. And I busted my ass and several other body parts and made sure I got that thing done. I I emailed it to my editor on Monday morning. She emailed one copy to production to get that ball rolling. She emailed a copy to Universal to get approved. And we all breathed a huge sigh of relief. The Tuesday before Thanksgiving, Joss Whedon shows up on bulletin boards all across the country saying, Hey kids, the movie's been home to September! Ah! Yeah. I could have had several more months to write this because I, I, I had two and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's not a lot of time. No, it isn't. I mean, I, it was it was easier... It's easier to do that with the novelization because you've got the script, and particularly with Serenity, where I've got 14 hours of backstory to play with as well right. for the TV show, so that was a little easier. Um... But it still, it was that was a hell of a two and a half weeks. Um, I was a guest at a convention in Montreal, uh, and I took the train there and back. And, and about eighteen thousand words of that book I've written on, the, on those two train trips. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. And and then you know, I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the book. And I, and because of the extra time, I had time to you know adjust some things and fix some things so and They did like, it up oh yeah 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 no it wasn't but, but it would have been nice if we had more time for the actual main writing of the book <laughs> you know um and that's just, but that's just the way it worked you know because it's such a rush to get it out and of course we thought it was A4 movie at the time so you know sometimes you have a lot of extra time for it like the Resident Evil movies I generally had a decent amount of time to do um and I would have had time on Serenity all things being evil right but uh yeah, I've done all three Resident Evil movies to date. I uh, haven't heard anything about the, the fourth one one way or the other. I don't know. They want to back for that. But, uh, but those were fun. And they, they actually gave me a certain amount of freedom, there, particularly with Extinction, the third movie, because they, they let me um, bridge the gap between the end of an Apocalypse and the beginning of Extinction, um, explaining you know, how, how the world got from one, one state of affairs to the other state of affairs. And uh, so it so could... A good chunk of that book is all entirely me, um, and they were they were really, and they also because um, uh, Sienna Miller was not available to play Jill Valentine, they didn't want to lose the character, but she was you know they couldn't work her in the movie, so they encouraged me to come up with a subplot for her. So there's an entire subplot of what she's doing while all the rest of the movie's going. Wow, oh, um, cool. which was nice. Yeah, that because I really liked that character, so I was I was disappointed she wasn't going to be in. Uh, but they wanted to keep they wanted to keep her around for you know, potential further films. So they said, you know, do something like her. You know. So, I did. So that was fun. Looking forward to your next work. Um, well, thank you. Well, there's a new one every month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the nice things about writing a monthly comic book is, is there's always something new. Um, Where can people find your work? So we're, we're talking here, the interview here. How can people find it online or? Um, the well, I mean, my books. The, the novels are generally available in bookstores. The stuff, I mean, um, the supernatural novel uh, is just coming out. That'll be on bookstores. So will Seven Deadly Sins. Um, so was. Um, uh, my most recent novel work, uh, the Star Trek novel of Singular Destiny is still around in bookstores as well, um, the Mirror Universe anthology Shards and Shadows, and, the, the upcoming Corps of Engineers collections, those will all be out in, like, you know, regular old bookstores as well as online book dealers, um... And, uh, comic books are available at your local comic shop, the individual, uh, monthly comic books, and they're also available from, there's a bunch of subscription services, including, uh, Things from Another World, um... and the Farscape Comics, also, there's a fan group called Farscape Canada, and they've been making the comics available to people who don't have, their, don't have comic shows. Right. Um, the, each, the way we're doing it is we're telling these stories in four-issue arcs, and each arc is collected into a single volume. So, those volumes are available in comic stories and in bookstores. Those are getting good bookstore distribution. Good. So, uh, and also, again, through the online book killers as well. So... Um, you can generally find it Have find a all and stuff there. Yeah, yeah, Howells yeah. and BN. dot yeah. com and the rest. Of it. So uh, uh and where can they find out stuff about you? Uh, I have a desperately in need of updating website at decansado.net which has some stuff on it, but so if you're a web designer and uh, you listen to this, it uh, uh, well yeah. it's a question of time right? <laughs> uh, but mostly what I want to do update fairly regularly is my blog, which is on live journal at Cradle, K R A D I C A L dot and you can also get it that from my my, my, my homepage. Go to decansado.net it has access to my blog and also my Facebook. Cool. Uh, under my name on Facebook so yeah, you can yeah. find me in, you can find me in both places and I'm you know I do I do updates there pretty regularly you know both the blog and Facebook with what's going on in my life so I track my projects and I mention when things are coming out so The kitchen me catch Chronic Rift on your yes also uh, you, uh, ChronicRift.com uh, has updates on my podcast and uh, like I said I do usually every, I, I definitely do a TV review every month uh for the interview episodes. And I've got coming up uh, interviews with Lauren Gilman, uh, the author of the Retriever series and Flesh and, and of Fire, uh, the art War series. And also, uh, I've got an interview coming up with Cartway. Right? So, it's not keep me And I've got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline that's way too soon to talk about. Oh, actually, one other really bizarre thing that has nothing to do with science fiction at all, but I'm really proud of it, is uh, an article I did for... Um, the Maple Street Press Yankees Annual. Um, it's uh, Every year, Maple Street Press puts out an annual for each of the 20, above the 30 baseball teams. And uh, I've been a Yankee fan since I was a little kid. Um, in fact, I've been a fan of the Yankees first, I've been a fan of Star Trek. And um, I got to write an article which, which was basically ranking the 10 Yankee teams of the previous decade and how they how they rank in relation to each other and why. And that was a lot of fun to do um, so that'll, that's out, that'll be out right around when spring training starts in March. And I've got a short story that I hope will come out. Um, it's been delayed. Uh, a Zorro anthology called More Tales of Zorro. Oh, okay. Woodstone Books did a, a Zoro anthology that came out a couple years ago that had a bunch of really cool people, Peter David, Greg Cox, A.C. Merzman, um, and some others doing short stories for it. They commissioned a second anthology with a completely different roster of people. Uh, Timothy Zahn uh, Ellen Dean Foster me Rachel Gardner some other people who are are doing stories for it and um and Seabrest like Tim and that'll be I don't know when that's coming out but I did a story for that that I'm yeah. really proud of so that was all fine it's yeah. alright Yeah right. All so, right. So, so and other stuff that I hope I get to talk about soon alright that you can't talk about now right? no I can't yet they're not they're not done deals yet so I yeah. okay. <laughs> alright well thank you so much for coming on the Sucks and yeah. I'm a nerd no problem i yeah
0: and uh you know so you can, you'll be in short leave sure. yes I'm always a short Yeah, yep yes. we'll, we'll be there too we'll see Excellent. you then. okay
3: <laughs> You're scary, man. <laughs>
0: oh, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. We have a court. We're, we're about to wrap up the show here. But as we always do before we wrap up the show, we're going to give you our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And this week, since last week, I gave you my Sci-Fi 5 and 5 for uh, for the uh, sexiest women on television. Miles decided he has to one-up me and do his well, Sci-Fi 5 and 5, the five sexiest women on television. Television now. Before we do this, uh, let me just give you a premise that if any of you listeners want to give us your sci-fi five and five, it doesn't have to be women. We've been on a women track the past two weeks, mm-hmm. but sci- your top five anything in science fiction, or top five, or top five worst anything in science fiction, send it in either through email at sci fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call us at one eight eight one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. Um, and uh, leave a voicemail, and we'll, we'll play it on the show. You can also
3: send it through an audio file as well. And so there, but, Miles, let's hear your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. These are my uh, top five gorgeous women of sci-fi, and it's just my opinion right now, and I try to keep it relevant to uh, mostly yeah, what's going on in sci-fi uh, today. Uh, so number five, um, uh, I don't know, Elsie uh, Levesque, uh she she is on uh, stargate uh universe um uh, number 4 is Candace McClure she played uh DeWala Anastasia the communication specialist on bowser Galactica. she is a cutie. yes yeah. yes uh, she often gets overlooked it's usually uh, um, uh what's her name uh um, the one who plays number 6 and uh um the uh the Asian oh, girl oh yes yes yes. They, yes she she so she often Boomer. Yeah. She often gets under overlooked. Um, my number th- number three is uh, Marina Bachrind, who of course uh, is known for her work on uh, Firefly, Stargate, and now on V. Yeah, and uh, she was on my list as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, and another one that was on Scott's list uh, is Summer Glau. I, not necessarily, you think the most beautiful woman in the world, but she just has something going for her that's just hard to define. You know, if you see her in pictures, like glamour shots of her or mm-hmm.
0: like uh, runway shots, she is actually a very beautiful woman.
3: I mean, she she's cute, um, but um, she just, there's just something about her I find very attractive. Yeah, well, there you go. And you're number one. Number one, uh, Jerry Ryan, uh, number who played number seven. Uh, on Star Trek Voyager for about five years. Uh and now she's uh Seven oh nine. She's on uh, that that T V show Leverage right now.
0: Oh, she is on Leverage. Mm-hmm. Oh great. See I didn't I watched. i watched a few episodes and then didn't get into the show.
3: Okay. But do you watch Leverage? No, but I've seen her on the uh um uh, trailer do you shows. watch Leverage? Yeah. No. No. Do you watch you, you any TV right now?
1: Nah, not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I but, fall asleep. You know, it's one of those. I sit on the sofa. Pass out.
0: Well, that's what you did when you came over here. We like turn on Stargate. Any Stargate mm-hmm. episode was an instant nap for.
1: Okay, for well this guy. then I'm actually wrong because uh, I've been doing the Hulu thing a lot. Okay. And Stargate Universe has been probably the only show that I've followed through with this year. Maybe well, it was a good
0: show to follow through with.
1: Maybe maybe a little bones here and there, but yeah. mostly Stargate Universe this year. Well,
0: that's, yeah. a, that's a good thing that to watch. It is a great thing to watch, mm-hmm. and I got my wife into Caprica. That's nice. exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah, so uh, she she loves it. So we watched the first three episodes of that, and uh, so I'm behind. I haven't watched any of the past two. Episodes oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. So to I'm done. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show,
3: Miles. Where can they find us? Uh, of course, they can go to our our website. Uh, sci diner uh dot com yeah actually yeah i believe that'll get you there but mm-hmm. sci-fi diner podcast is mm-hmm. the one that'll is really the the show url i guess for mm-hmm. us if you are on facebook uh we have a uh a, a, a fan page uh just yep. look up sci diner yep. so we encourage you to join the fan page um i am uh i'm on twitter son of warf at twitter yep and i am
0: uh on twitter as well Hertzog, h-e-r-t-z-o-g uh, also as the sci-fi diner although i've been kind of twitter vacant lately i feel like i've been uh too busy my life has just been in chaos it feels like come back, like, come, back. come back come back to the light <laughs> come back uh you can also email us as we've been saying throughout the show at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com call us give us your feedback let us know what you're thinking at one and i believe that's it any final words tom have a good day oh great
3: <laughs> good night and good luck see ya